It's for Gosh. advanced composters only. Advanced composters only. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to Do What You Can for the People, the show that nobody asked for. I'm your hostess, Nicole Pomani, and today I'm here with Ali Gumas. Ali is the Organics Outreach Coordinator at NYC Department of Sanitation. She's a fellow Bard alum with a master's in environmental policy and is a certified master composter. And that's what I've invited Ali to talk to us about today, composting. Hey Ali, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, if you're sitting here watching this episode and wondering what any of this has to do with the holidays, I'm just going to ask you to think about all of the holiday dinners, parties, get-togethers that we would be hosting at around this time of year, and how much of that food just goes straight into the trash bin. And that's why I really wanted to talk about composting and more broadly, uh, the food waste problem in our country. So this is obviously something that I'm very passionate about, Ali's very passionate about, but if you don't understand the problem, like we always do, we're gonna start with some facts and figures. So 80 billion pounds of food is thrown away every year in the United States. This equates to more than $161 billion and accounts for 30 to 40% of the US food supply. On average, each family throws away $1,600 just of produce every year, um, which is crazy to me. Ali, anything to add there in terms of some of the research that you've done? Um, just that it is equally startling. I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but I fully believe this at that at this point. Yeah, these numbers are really shocking. I mean, I always knew that the food waste thing was a problem here, but I think thinking about it in this capacity is really important. Most of the food that gets thrown away is sent directly to landfills. It's the single largest component taking up space inside of our landfills. It makes up about 22% of our municipal solid waste and what that means is we're generating a ton of greenhouse gases from food that probably should have been consumed in a lot of cases or at the very least sent back to the earth. Um, go ahead. No, nope, just fixing my shirt. <laughs> According to the World Wildlife Federation, the production of food wasted, uh, wasted food in the United States is equivalent to the greenhouse gas emissions of 37 million cars, which I thought was a really impressive equivalency. Um, and in, in addition to contributing all of these gases, wasted food wastes all that water and energy that it took to produce. And I think what's really important when you're talking about food waste is that you recognize that all of this food that we're throwing away could have gone to the people who need it. And when I talk about the people who need it, it's the 37 million people across America that suffer from food insecurity, which is not knowing or not having access to um, sufficient quantity of affordable, nutritious food. So. Putting that into perspective, I think, is really important because I didn't know about this stuff until I was working in sustainability. I don't know if you did. Um, no, I think I learned a lot of it through school, through accidentally taking a food policy class. Um, I was really interested in recycling, but like of plastic and metal and glass. Um, by the time I stumbled upon food waste, I was like, <laughs> I need to know what's going on here. And I think that especially living in major cities, it's like really easy to be separated from it. So it's all the more important and jarring um, when you contrast the people who are hungry next to you. Um, it's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought up this idea of being separated from it because I think that 
especially when you live in a city, it's this out of sight, out of mind mentality that if you don't see it every day rotting in a landfill, you don't even realize what's happening. One of the questions that I had when I was putting together this episode was why do we have so much food waste? Um, and there's quite a few reasons, but I think the number one reason is food spoilage and whether that's real or perceived. And what I mean by that is um, a lot, 80% of Americans are discarding perfectly good food simply because of labeling. And as a packaging nerd, that really upsets me. And I know that there's a huge movement in this country to kind of standardize or make it easier to understand because when you go to the grocery store you have sell by best buy use by all of these different things and so many people look at that date as oh it's past that date it must be bad i should just throw it away i think that's a great place to start and i think that is the root of a lot of it and then relative to the rest of the world food in the u.s is plentiful and cheap and i think therefore it's pretty undervalued um not talking about those 37 million people who have food insecurity, the rest of us have access to literally any fruit, any vegetable, any imaginable piece of food that we could want. You just go to the grocery store or even now in today's time, you can just order it online and have it delivered to your door. And so people really don't understand how important and difficult it is for some people to get access to food. So they are very removed from that concept. Um, and then the last, one of the last reasons is Americans are often impulsive in their food purchases. So in our country, we don't have a big culture of planning, although maybe it's changing a little bit with meal prep. Um, and we unrealistically assess how much food we need and buy too much and then have to throw it out because we think it's expired. It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and the last, last reason is we underutilize leftovers and toss out food scraps. And so that's really what Ali and I are gonna dive into today is all of those food scraps don't have to go into your trash bin. You could be composting. And why don't we start, Allie, by telling the people what composting is? Perfect. My favorite question above all else. Um, I will say that I love it as much as what is recycling, because I think they are just as confusing, but a lot more people are really sure of their definition of recycling. And a lot more people are willing to accept that they don't know what composting is. So just at its most scientific base is composting is the process of decomposing food um, or other organic waste. So your leaves, your yard waste. Um, but it's, it's that decomp decomposition with oxygen. So a lot of that is decomposition with the help of humans or worms or other microbes and bacteria um, that, are, that would not otherwise be there if you weren't actively adding oxygen. So there are lots of scales of composting, which I think can also be really confusing for people. If you have a shoebox with some worms and some dirt and you feed it the tops of your strawberries every day, you are composting. But also if you put out a discarded Big Mac and um, half a pizza box and all of your leaves from your backyard and you set it out for collection for curbside composting, that's also composting. So it comes in many shapes and sizes and it all depends on what your resources are. Yeah, and I think that's a really important note that you've hit on because before I started composting this year, I thought and my roommate thought that it had to be like having worms in a bucket underneath mm -hmm. your kitchen sink. And that was really unappealing to me because it's just a personal choice. Um, mm -hmm. But then I learned more about it and did some research and found out that we lived right near a community garden in Jersey City and they would collect our compost. 
And now I've moved recently and um, I have a composting service where every two weeks they take a bucket away from me and give me a new bucket and I can put all of my food scraps in there. So I think it is gaining popularity mm-hmm. and definitely it's important to tell people that it doesn't have to be worms in your backyard. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think one of the reasons I love composting so much and think it's a lot more fun to teach people about than recycling is the fact that you can take it into your own hands. So you, we have, most of us have grown up recycling every day. We throw the bottles and the cans in the right bin, and then we get the next can with a little triangle on it, and we have recycled. But with composting, you can be that hands-off, or you can have a bucket with some worms in it, and you can watch it happen and see how long it takes and all of that. So I like that it's as involved as you want it to be. I actually do a combination of both. Um, I have a worm bin that I started actually during quarantine. Um, and I also utilize curbside services. So I like that I can do both. I like that I can see it, talk the talk, and also walk the walk in a way that I just never could with plastic. Absolutely. And if you have kids and you're watching this, I feel like composting is a great activity for them. They get to feed the worms every day yes. and then they can use that soil and rich soil and plant a garden and watch that grow. So uh, I think it's a really interactive and fun experience mm-hmm. if you can do it yourself and you're not too skeeved out by it. Um, let's Absolutely. dive a little bit into what can and cannot be composted, understanding that there are different levels of yeah. this. Yeah, I think um, it is really fun to answer that question because it, like so many things in the sustainability field, are um, contingent on where you are and and what how you are composting. So when you were talking about going to a community garden, um, I bet that they accepted leaves, maybe your dead household plants. They'll accept your veggies, your fruits, and maybe some grains. Um, But they probably wouldn't accept meat or dairy. If you're utilizing a curbside service, maybe your bucket, or maybe if it's operating on a municipal level, you can most likely compost your meat, your bones, your dairy, all of those other things, plus maybe BPI compostable things. Um, so those plasticky looking plates and cups. Um, so it's it's really the full array. Um, with my worm bins, I actually won't put anything other than um, fruits, veggies, and yard waste in it. I wouldn't even do grains just because it takes a little longer and might might need a little more looking at than I'm willing to give them. Yeah, and I think a related question that I'd like to ask here is why? Mm-hmm have those differences between backyard composting and industrial scale composting? Yeah. Um, The science answer (laughs) is that composting often happens in piles. So anywhere from the community garden to the industrial scale is going to happen in some sort of piles. Maybe it's in a bin or maybe it's out in these giant long stretched out piles. They're called windrows. And the answer of how much or of what materials you can compost is contingent on how hot those piles get. Um, And some of that is a safety concern. Um, Community compost sites might not accept meat, not because it doesn't get hot enough to break it down or it won't break it down with enough time, but because the compost that they produce, they'd probably have to get tested several times and it might not have actually gotten rid of all the pathogens needed to go put it in your basil plant at home. Um, But on the industrial scale, these piles get hot. They are steaming all the time. um, So you can safely put those materials in and be sure that the pathogens will be burned away, burned, uh, heated away. Um, And that's a result of what I was talking about earlier with the oxygen method. So the aerobic digestion that happens with oxygen just produces heat and CO2. 
When it's all trapped in a landfill, then it gets packed down, doesn't have access to oxygen, and it produces methane, which, you know, you don't get the hot, the hot, hot piles, so you won't get your steaming compost, um, but you're also getting a more potent greenhouse gas. Um, that you can't see in your worm bin, but I think that's the pathogen part of that and the heat part of that are, are the main reasons of why you can compost certain things certain places and not other places. Very interesting. And I think that's a good segue into mm -hmm. us talking a little bit about the compostable plastics, which I mentioned <laughs> to you. Um, as a packaging nerd, I have a bit of a problem with compostable plastics. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say that you have some concerns as well. Um, why don't you yeah. kick us off with some of your thoughts? Yeah, I have a big bone to pick with compostable plastics, in part because the golden standard is that I would be able to give blanket statements about what can and can't be compostable. Same way with recycling. This country, the world would be much better off if we could safely say like, this bottle is recyclable, this one is not. This apple core is compostable, this plate is not. Um, the compostable plastics really throw a wrench in that because a lot of municipal, a lot of municipal collections will accept them. Even some community gardens will accept them, but depending on what infrastructure they have, it might actually get sifted out in the, in the, in the process of it ending up in the windrow. Um, or whoever is picking up your garbage at the curb will look in and say, this is contaminated with plastic and not accept it at all. Right. And because you often don't get to have that face-to-face -face conversation with the person who's picking it up, I think it's really misleading. I think it makes it really hard for doing public education campaigns about it, um, especially because they're designed to look exactly the same. So the communication issues of recycling are just being extended into composting, and I think it's more of a headache than it's worth. I completely agree. Um, I've worked with a few clients who have really wanted to implement compostable solutions, and I straight up asked them why, because mm -hmm. of the systems issues that we're facing, that much like recycling, composting is not even a state issue, it's a municipal issue, and mm -hmm. sometimes even more micro than that, because you're working with different entities. And so we're talking about, you know, companies that maybe work on a national level, and so they want to yeah. implement one solution that's going to work across the board, and unfortunately, that's not the system that we live in. Yeah, not at all. And um, I think the other really confusing part of compostable plastics are that, um, I mean, with many things, the certification process is which, which brand do you trust? So it can be marketed to you as certified compostable, but I think a lot of people mean well and don't have the time or the interest to look into it. So um, is this actually compostable by whose standards, like in what scenarios? And then is it in my own home? Because if it's the same product being sold across the country, it's very likely that some facility can handle it. And then 3000 miles away, a different one can't. And you're buying the same thing with the same intention, but it, it's not getting the same result. Yeah, really, really interesting stuff. Um... So we've talked about some of our pet peeves with composting. We've talked about you can and cannot. And I think you started to touch on this a little bit, but what are some of the benefits of composting that you see? Yeah, I mean, the greenhouse gas one is my like nerdiest answer, um, but I think it's an important one. I think especially today when people really want more individual solutions, this often is something that you can really do on your own. So if you live in a place that has poor options, you can do some amount of it which means your garbage will be less smelly because you're dealing with your food waste on your own. You will, you know, be able to see the product um, and be able to take it into your own hands in a way that I think we often feel discouraged because we can't. 
Um, so I like that part of it. Other benefits of composting besides that your garbage will smell less is this the landfill problem. Like people talk to me all the time about how afraid they are that we are going to run out of space in landfills. And I think that I often try to calm these fears, but I, I think that it's a legitimate one because yeah. the system we use, even if you include incineration, it is um, not sustainable. It is not able to be continued out indefinitely. And that's really scary. And just the fact that we have the resources and even with minimal effort, like throw it in the backyard kind of thing, it goes away faster. I think that that, that is a huge benefit um, to be able to say eventually when we hit that wall, when more people agree with us that this is an issue, um, the first thing to go is gonna be food waste because of how technologically simple it is to handle it. There are no 7 million podcasts about like why composting is too expensive. It is actually the cheapest form of recycling we have for such a major part of our waste stream. Absolutely. Um, so that's all really helpful information, <laughs> but let's talk about how we can compost at home. So I mentioned that I was living near a community garden and now I'm a participant in a service, pick up and drop off service, but I'm sure there are lots of other ways that you could tell us about. <laughs> yeah. Um, if we think about the worm bin thing and maybe you're apprehensive about the worms, I would definitely start with checking out what's around you. Um, some cities, you have to opt into it. Um, so maybe your city has a composting service that you don't even know about. That's entirely likely. I've lived in three different states recently and most people I talk to are not aware of it because it's not mandatory in those places. Or there's always the misconception that, oh, I sent my yard waste out. I didn't know I could put my food waste in it. And that is true. So I think just encouraging people to check the guidelines of what is available and then check what programs they may not be automatically enrolled into is a really good place to start in the most hands-off way. Um, the worm bin is a good one. I've never kept mine indoors, so I can't even speak to that. I keep it either on the terrace or the balcony or the backyard or whatever you have available. So if you're more interested in the bug part of it, that's a really good place to start. And if you're super not wigged out, there are other composters. There are other bugs that you can use to break down your food. If you're not squeamish, I would encourage you to look up black soldier flies. Mm. Um, they are um, maybe yay big. Um, they look like wasps, but they don't sting and they're all black. And they spend most of their life in the larva stage. They can eat meat, bones, and dairy. And they only spend less than a week in their fly stage of life. So they're just these little larvae that you don't have to look at. They devour everything and they devour it quickly. And I think that that is, like if I had all the money in the world, I would explore more black soldier fly composting projects. Because I think, especially with cities where space is a concern, and if any outdoor space is available so you don't have to bring the flies indoors, that's gonna be something to look into. Um, but then, those. Those You've never heard of them? <laughs> yeah, this is probably my nerdier side. This was the project I was working on while I was finishing grad school was a black soldier fly composting project and what it would look like at different scales. Um, they are the highest ick factor thing I've dealt with. So I think that this is more for the people in our boat who maybe are like super committed to it yeah. and also are not squeamish. For advanced composters only. Advanced composters <laughs> only. But it's a trade-off too because it's, it's the least amount of work. Like there are videos on YouTube of them eating Big Macs um, <laughs> and like entire fish. They're gross, but also so useful. Um, the difference is worms, the worm castings or the worm poop 
um, is actually nutritious itself um, for the soil. So you can go ahead and add that right into your plant. What the flies produce is more like dirt. Um, you can feed it two worms and then get compost through a middleman. So maybe if you're not actively looking to spruce up your house plants, that's a good, a good way to go too. <laughs> And then I think the like last in-between option is the drop-off composting. And, and that is often the solution that I think is the least utilized because it takes some work to find one. If your city's not doing it and not advertising it, then oftentimes you have to look into these private companies or maybe you're not willing to spend money. If your trash and recycling gets collected for free, it can feel like a stretch to start throwing out, to start paying to throw out your food waste, but I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah, so am I. Um... I will say one of the major reasons why I switched to a pickup drop-off service was because I was getting a little tedious to like walk my compost over every week. Um, mm -hmm. And I also had the wrong container. And so we had a fruit fly situation for a while. Oops. It happens. Yeah, Live and learn. It does. Um, but a few other ideas that are coming to my mind are, so my mom really wanted to compost her seasonal plants at the end of the summer mm -hmm. and she couldn't find a compost facility near her. So she actually chased down the landscapers and they took it for her, which was Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Really cool. Definitely. Shout out to my mom, watches all the episodes. <laughs> um, and another idea that I had was uh, if you live in an apartment building like I do, and you don't want to necessarily pay 20 bucks a month for your service, maybe pull together with a few neighbors yes. who are interested and split up the cost. Um, if like four people go in, five people go in on a five gallon bucket that's get gets picked up every two weeks I think like four dollars a month is way more reasonable than twenty dollars a hundred percent I also would piggyback on that to say check your network for who has access to it um, yeah. maybe some buildings have it and others don't or maybe um, somebody works at a school and often schools have composting projects and that's a really good place to start too so I know a lot of universities and colleges do but I think more and more elementary and middle schools are exploring it either on some scale to, for educational purposes to say like this is the worm and this is what it eats and others are the first place that some cities start to pilot these programs so it would still be the dropping off aspect but it is um the affordable way to do that yeah and you can share the load like one week you drop it off maybe the next week someone else will yeah so. and a pro tip as somebody who exclusively lived in apartment buildings for a while you should freeze your food scraps if you can have the fridge space or freezer space to do it because the fruit flies are a nightmare. And I think it often does feel like you just can't find the right container to do it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I would say if at the very least, uh, freeze your meat scraps if your yes. compost facility accepts them because that smell can get really bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I do want to pick your policy brain for a little <laughs> bit because everything we've talked about so far has been based on voluntary participation. But there is a lot of chatter happening about is legislation coming, is regulation coming on the amount of food waste we generate and kind of composting maybe goals that we want to hit or things yeah. that can be mandated. So what can we expect at every single level when it comes to food waste and composting? That is such a great question and one that I wish I had better answers for. Um, I think during the pandemic, some cities, including New York, had to pause their Food, their curbside collection of it. And I think what was really inspiring from a, from a policy perspective is watching the activists in New York City come together and work over social media and online because everybody was staying at home to advocate for saving our compost programs. And because infrastructure existed, I think we were able to make that happen. So New York City has 
way more options than we thought we would at the beginning of this. And that is really exciting. But I know that it's entirely because we have the infrastructure. You know, it was just about tapping into it and keeping the lights on and keeping people interested. I think other cities have this dilemma where even, um, even where there is the base of people who are really interested in doing it, these initial initial costs to get something set up are like one of the biggest barriers. Um, but I think something that you mentioned earlier, which is that some of these haulers are working across the entire country or at least across states is really promising because it makes it easier to advertise maybe these haulers that are willing to compost or pick up your organic waste. And I think on a policy standpoint, that part is coming, requiring businesses of a certain size or of a certain number of locations to compost is like in, in, the, in the works. I like see it, I hear about it all the time and I think it's really promising. Um, but I don't know. I, I think I need another touchstone. Like, what do you, what do you have about that? <laughs> um, I think it's just, it's like you said, I mean, I'm happy to see it, the pressure being put on businesses and stuff like yeah. that, because like with most things in sustainability, yes, we do want to see individual change, but we also need to see the change from the corporations and yeah. the restaurants and the business owners who are producing, let's be real, more waste than we are in our industry. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of legislation. Yeah, and I think, um, no, I don't think I can speak to what's happening sooner, but the difference between in-house waste and, and like at the front of the house. So um, if you're in a, an establishment that serves food, they could be composting in the kitchen, but I think it's really discouraging to people who maybe don't see the bin or it's discouraging to see the bin utilized poorly. Yes. So I think it goes hand in hand that if, the city or the state or the country eventually is requiring businesses to compost, but it can't be done in a vacuum. It is really confusing to people to see different materials going in in businesses and at home. This is also true with recycling. Um, but I, I am excited that businesses are being forced in that direction of saying like, you already have to pay hauling services. You have to pay for this as well. And it's the same amount of waste you're producing and ideally we can get to the point where you're spending the same amount to deal with your garbage, but it's a different, it's a different stream of waste. Absolutely. And to your point about seeing things being used incorrectly, um, mm -hmm. I think the advantage to having it be mandated, especially if you're talking about like front of house in a restaurant, yeah. statewide or a citywide mandate, um, then the consumer isn't just seeing it in your one location, they're seeing it across the board, which brings them like an education piece. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that might lower the risk of contamination Absolutely. over time. And I, I also think, maybe I can't speak to the relative aspect of it, but the idea of enforcement behind it, um, maybe if enforcement, it's much easier to enforce maybe large businesses to start than it is to enforce an entire block of row houses, you know? Um, so I think that that is also promising for me as an environmentalist to know that if enforcement, if and when enforcement exists, it would be targeted at these biggest sources of waste. Um, and, and I think that that is both efficient on the side of the enforcer and promising on the side of anybody who wants to see this food end up in a compost pile rather than a landfill. And I think in that vein, some of the policies that I would like to see more of are, are behind the idea that incineration and landfills are not as viable as they are right now. 
um, or, or they're not the cheapest option, I think that that would be a really wonderful place to start, uh, making these com composting and pickup services more affordable, um, more accessible, more plentiful. Um, I've talked to restaurant owners who are very interested in composting and didn't know that they had a few options because the company that they use has never advertised it to them or doesn't have it. And I think it's that idea of you have to be interested enough and have the time and the resources to look into it. That's really frustrating. But when we roll out a policy and somebody with a badge is knocking on your door, it's, it's bad news unless it's, it's a warning sign and then it's good, it's good news yeah. that you have time to prepare for it. But uh, I think that's going to be the most promising point of change for, for large volumes of food waste. So well said. And so much great information today. Thank you so much for all of your insights and opinions and thoughts. I mean, I've learned a lot about composting and I feel like I learned even more chatting with you today. So <laughs> I will be sure to include a bunch of links and resources in the description box below and your LinkedIn so that people can get in touch with you maybe. Yeah. Um, any closing words for the people, Allie? I think if you are able to, I would encourage people to do the research to see what's available to them. And I think beyond the residential, beyond your individual self, looking into what's available for your institutions that you're a part of. So your schools pushing for compost on college campuses, pushing for composting in office buildings that might not exist. And then if you're able, also doing some of the footwork of educating people is a huge disconnect between what's available and what's being utilized. Um, I think you gave a stat earlier that 22% of the waste stream can be food waste. Um, and I've seen stats as high as, as 33 or 50 in schools. Uh, New York City schools, we've estimated to be about 50% of the, the waste from schools is, is compostable. So I think campaigns in places like that are all like public education campaigns in places like that are all the more significant. And as much as we love to say we're, we're doing the best at home, I think there's always one more person you can talk to. If you feel good about composting, if you feel good about recycling, are you educating your neighbor? Are you educating your friends? It looks different everywhere. And just encouraging more people to, to, to take on the burden that maybe others should be taking up is, is a difficult one, but it's definitely something I will fight for. Totally agree. Send this video to all your friends. <laughs> are you kidding me? I'm famous. <laughs> My, this is part of my Christmas card now. <laughs> all right. That's it from us here. And uh, thank you again, Ali. I'll see you all next week.